The date was December 31st of 2019. And I turned to my wife and I said, you know, I'd rather sleep than stay up and watch the New Year's celebrations. The past year, 2019, had been a great one. I'd started my new dream job. We'd added our second little girl to the family. And there are a number of other transitions that are typical for a couple in their 20s and 30s. More than anything, we just wanted to sleep. Indeed, for the year ahead, for 2020, we we're hoping for a year that would be calm and uneventful. Let's pray. I love you, Lord. You have been faithful all of my days. God, because of your goodness, you lift up the hurting. Because of your goodness, you comfort the sorrowful. Because of your goodness, you make a way where there is no way. Lord, your character does not change when our circumstances do. Lord, you are good in all situations. And Lord, may we come to see your goodness today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. The great ball of Times Square descended while my family of four slept. But for anyone, was 2020 to be anything but mundane or ordinary. Fast forward six months and the pandemic is now in full force. COVID community spread is old news. And the news is covering the drama 24 hours a day. Against this backdrop, today's story begins. Due to restrictions, my wife sat in the car, clutching her phone and trying to hear what was going on inside. The hot June air only added to her anxiety. 100 feet away in the exam room sat her husband. I was 38 years old. My entire life, I had experienced exceptional health, rarely so much as getting the sniffles. Life was good. Was all of this about to change? When the doctor entered the room, I noticed a grim look on his face, and my heart began to race. Soon he would say the words that no one ever wants to hear. Joshua, those two small lumps that you've noticed on your neck, they are cancer. When I was a teenager, someone shared advice with me that changed my life. And two and a half decades later, it's still a core part of how I approach life. And I'd like to share it with you today, and it's really very simple. Instead of asking God why, ask God what? And I'll explain. When I ask God why, I am rarely seeking information. Usually, I'm just wanting an opportunity to complain. As in, why? Why me? I don't deserve this. You aren't being fair. But if I can get my heart to the place, or I can approach that same situation with the question of what? God, I know you are good. This challenging thing has happened. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? I had been told I had cancer. In the weeks to come, there would be a lot of tests to find out what type of cancer and how bad it was. But in the meantime, I was determined to get past the question of why and on to the question of, God, what do you want me to do? And God was quick to answer that question. The first task that he gave me was that I needed to have open hands, accept any outcome, and realize that he is still good and he could be trusted. With a wife and two girls at home, this was a hard task. In a young girl's life, the most important figure is her father. She watches her father in particular to see how he treats other women. If he's belittling, selfish, cruel, then these are traits that she will tend to associate as normal with all men. And of course, this has great implications for later on in life, particularly when she's trying to find a soulmate. 
More important still, her relationship with her dad often determines her default view of God. If her dad is cold, remote, distant, uninvolved, she will tend to think of God in these terms. But if her dad is loving, caring, involved in her life, then she will tend to put these attributes towards God. Praise the Lord that defaults can be changed. But as we all know, it's very hard. I felt like I had been given a task from the Lord to set good defaults for my girls. What would happen if I wasn't there to lead and guide them? Heavier still on my heart was if this cancer was to lead me to death, what would happen with my wife and stay-at-home mom of my girls? Would Rebecca grow bitter towards God if I were to die? These were the questions that were heavy on my heart and mind. This was the first task that the Lord gave me to have. With surgeries and unpleasant things in the near future, we decided to go on vacation to the North Carolina mountains with my parents and siblings. In the North Carolina mountains, there's a 14-mile vehicle loop called Cades Cove, and I highly recommend it if you have the opportunity to go there. It features unspoiled wilderness and the remnants of old settlements. While there, I was walking through the ancient graveyard of one of the humble churches. Reading the rustic tombstones, I realized just how many of these mountain folks had died young, and my heart was heavy for obvious reasons. When my mom approached me with a giant smile on her face, it was very confusing to me. More confusing still was the words that she said. Joshua, everything's going to be okay. I said, oh? She said, yes, I have been praying to God, and God said, ask for a miracle in Joshua's situation. And God would not tell me to ask for a miracle unless he wanted to deliver one. Everything's going to be okay. I wasn't sure what to think. A few minutes later, when I could have private conversation with my wife, I told her what had happened. And she too greeted me with a giant smile. She said, I have spent the last three days working up the courage to ask God a question. She continued, you see, you should never ask God a question unless you are willing to accept any answer that he might give. I spent the last three days working up the courage to ask God this question. God, will my husband die? And here's what God said. No, honey, Joshua will not die. But if he did, I would take care of you. That last part that she told me just felt like a huge burden had been lifted. She knew and I knew that if I were to die from this cancer, that God would take care of her and the girls. My appreciation for my wife's faith had grown and I knew everything was gonna be okay no matter the outcome. But what about the first part? that I would not die. My mom believed it, my wife believed it, but was it true? Across the next few days, God slowly began to speak to me and to reveal that indeed he was going to heal me and he even told me why. He said it's for two reasons. One, for God's glory, and two, to raise a godly family. Vacation was over and the valley of the shadow of death lay ahead. Back home, there was a six-hour major neck dissection surgery, and cancerous lymph nodes were removed. On July 4th, I was released from the hospital, and the very next day, friends and family gathered at my home to pray for me. While one of the ladies was praying, I physically felt a tingling that started at the top of my head and slowly worked its way down my spine. I wasn't sure if God had completely healed me, but I felt at the very least that God had just removed 
the death portion from my cancer. That Wednesday, I had my first appointment with an oncologist. An oncologist, I came to find out, is a doctor who specializes in cancer. He brought up my PET scan to show me my x-rays, and what a disappointment. Slide after slide showed bright cancerous spots all over my body. There was cancer in the shoulder blades, cancer in the bones, cancer in my hip bone, cancer in various organs, cancer down the vertebrae of my spine. The doctor said, you have stage four melanoma, and despite advancements in modern medicine, you only have about a 5% chance to live. Stage four melanoma with a 5% chance to live. When you have cancer in your spine, it is basically a death sentence. When you have cancer in your spine and your bones, it doesn't just go away, it takes you to the grave. God does not always heal on this earth. But I believed in my case that he had told me that he would. Had I missed God, was God really going to heal me on this earth and in this life? Again, the words came to my mind. You will be healed for God's glory and to raise a godly family. Despite the prognosis, a tremendous peace came over my wife and I. We knew God was good and we knew he would be true to his word. I started immunotherapy treatments, but things were not going well. My liver was reacting against the treatment, and I was growing worse. Across the next several weeks, I would continue to lose strength and energy. But despite this, God showed himself good through the hands and feet of believers that came and supported my family. Some brought meals. Some sent letters of encouragement. Some sent donations. Some came and donated time and skills to do the things that I was no longer able to do. And some came and prayed with me. Time forbids that I share each unique story and how it deeply impacted my life during this season. I would, however, like to lift out one story in particular. I speak Spanish. Three and a half years ago, a visiting Nazarene pastor named Edwin Martinez had come to my church, and I had translated for him. I met him the day that he came to the church, and we didn't keep up communication afterwards. Through friends, he found out that I had cancer, and in July, friended me on Facebook, reminded me who he was, and said he wanted to drive four hours to come to my house and to pray for me. At this point, only the oncologist, my wife and I, had seen the PET scan slides. We hadn't shared with anybody the specific locations where the cancer was, just that I had stage four melanoma. When Pastor Edwin Martinez showed up at my house, he reached around and touched me right in the shoulder blades where I knew I had cancer. And he said, God, I pray for the cancer that is here. I pray for healing. Next, he jabbed me in the side. And he said, Lord, I pray for the cancer that is here. And he named the very organ that the doctor told me had cancer. He went on to systematically pray for the six major spots where the cancer was. And when he got done, he looked me in the eyes, pointed his finger, and he said, Josue, tal vez te vas a sufrir un tiempo, pero ya después Dios te va a sanar. Translated to English, Joshua, you may suffer for a while, but God is going to heal you. This supernatural reminder came at a very opportune time. For soon I would grow so weak that I was unable to get out of bed by myself. I had to wear a harness with handles and be pulled upright. 
Walking was becoming difficult, and a wheelchair was purchased. Doing simple things like singing was now a challenge due to shortness of breath and lack of energy. But despite this, God had shown himself so good in this time that I wanted to share a song on Facebook. I wanted to share a song that when it's all been said and done, all that matters is our relationship with the Lord. Picking up the heaviest object I could still lift, I got my guitar to record this song. just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for true? Did I live my life for you? And when it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean Nothing, only what I've done for love's reward will stand the test of time. And Lord, your mercies are so great that you look beyond our weakness. And find purest gold in my clay, making sinners into saints. And I will always sing your praise. Here on earth and ever after. For you've shown me heaven's my true home When it's all been said and done You're my life when life is done one thing that matters Did I do my best to live for true Did I live my life for you Lord I live my life for you
Well, when things are bad, they can always get worse. On August 7th, while being lifted up from a laying position, with my cancer-weakened bones, I heard a loud pop and severe pain grip my side. My rib had cracked. At 39 years old, I was contemplating checking myself into a nursing home so I wouldn't be such a big burden on my family. I couldn't even roll over from my back to my side. And if I weren't the one telling the story today, the conclusion would be pretty obvious. The young man lying in agony on that bed is on his deathbed. His young wife, Rebecca, is soon going to be a widow. Two baby girls are going to grow up not remembering a dad who desperately loved them. Medical statistics were against this man living to see Christmas 2020. After all, when you have cancer in your bones and spine, what hope is there? Personal experience, medical evidence were all pointing to the same thing, a rapidly approaching death. But what about God? God isn't in the business of tricking his children. Sure, we can misunderstand him, but I felt certain that I had not. I felt certain that God had told me he would heal me. Would it be days, weeks, months, years? How or when? I did not know. But that God had told me he would heal me, I felt sure. At the urging of those close to me, we decided to ask God for the medically impossible. We decided to ask God that at my three-month PET scan in October, a miracle would be shown. Thousands of believers around the world joined us in this prayer. From the deserts of Africa to the mountains of Argentina, across the United States. Non-believers tuned into the story also, curious to see what would happen. According to Facebook metrics, the story was going viral and now reaching tens of thousands of people. All eyes were on God and on this October PET scan. October came around, and in an exam room strikingly similar to that one that awful day in June, I sat. My wife, Rebecca, sat clutching her phone, trying to hear, see what was going on inside the exam room. When my nationally renowned oncologist at UNC Chapel Hill entered the room, there was a confused look on her face. She sat down in front of me and she said, Joshua, I don't know how to treat you going forward. With the possible exception of one small lymph node, your PET scan is completely clean. The cancer that was in your bones, it is gone. The cancer that was in the various organs, it has disappeared. The cancer that was down the vertebrae of your spine is nowhere to be seen. In my entire career, I have never seen such a return PET scan. God had been faithful. God had been good. God had delivered his promised miracle. Let's have a round of applause for God's goodness. I love you, Lord. For your mercies never fail me And all my days I've been held in your arms 
from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice For you have led me through the fire In darkest nights You were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived In the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me Your goodness is running after, it's running after me With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now I give you everything Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me your goodness is running after, it's running after me Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good with every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. I will always remember 2020. For me, it will be a year, year that I remember God's goodness in all situations. 
God's goodness when I was so sick and Christian brothers and sisters came and supported my family. God's goodness in dark and lonely nights that only my wife and I saw when he made his presence known. And ultimately, against all human odds, God's goodness in delivering on a promised miracle. What about you? Do you have room for God's goodness in your life? What about the beginning of the story? When God had given me the task of having open hands, no matter the outcome. What if God had told me that this cancer was to escort me into the arms of Jesus? That this cancer would be my death? Sure, in my humanness, I would have asked God, could there be any other way? But ultimately, I want God's purpose and God's will in my life. And if there could be no other way, I would ask God, what do you want me to do with these final weeks I have here on this earth? But oh, how grateful I am for this miracle that God gave me in my family. What about you? What will you do with your next hard thing in your life? Will you be stuck in the mud saying, why, why, why me? I don't deserve this. You aren't being fair. You won't stay there, will you? I hope that you can get beyond that. I hope that you just try it, asking God what. Perhaps you could say a prayer. God, I know you are good. This challenging thing has happened. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? Could it be that God would guide you? Might it be that God wants to show you his goodness? God is faithful. God is in control. And God is good. I thank you for allowing me to come here today and share God's goodness with you. things that uh, sticks out to me is so so Joshua's heart um, is close to the Lord and I listen to a man who's on death's door saying God is so good so faithful God is not faithful because he healed God is good and God is faithful period and because of the opportunity that he has now been given for a second chance he can give glory to God that's what I hear and see today the Bible says that if you that if you are burdened and you are weary bring that the Lord says to me the psalmist says to cry out and I will restore to you that which is broken and I will heal the Lord says one of the one of my favorite things we've been following along with this story um, so Joshua has this moment, I love it, where you can follow him on Facebook, I believe, and see this. Pray for Joshua Clure, I think is where it's at. And you can see um, he's had a hospital bed in his, in his house. You know, he's, de he's debating going to a nursing home at this point, but he's got a hospital bed in his house. And he relates it as God heals him to um, when, when the friends lowered the man down to be healed by Jesus. He literally picks up his bed and carries it out to put it back on the truck because he doesn't need it anymore. Man, man, I love that. And I love the faith of that. And I love the beauty of, and Lord forgive me that I was praying for your last days to be good ones and you were praying for more days. Sorry, I'll try to pray with more faith from next, next time. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer you a chance because um, this year has been hard on a lot of people. 
And I think what we ought to remember is that God is good no matter what. That God is good and that he's faithful. And if he doesn't give us the gifts of his hand, we still have his heart and his son Jesus and the opportunity to give our life to him and to trust him. So what we're going to do is I'm going to, um, I'm going to have you stand just a minute. I'm going to pray for you. And then there may be some of you who say, I, I really need somebody to pray over me. Like I want to pray for healing, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual. Uh, I have some decisions I need to make. I have some things coming up I need to, to just give to the Lord. And I have been just kind of holding it in and waiting. And so I don't know of anybody better to pray over you with me than Joshua, who has experienced the power of God Almighty. So we're going to stand, we're going to pray. You can leave if you, if you, if you need to do that, and if, um, if you can do that quietly. But I'm going to invite maybe a couple of you who say, I need prayer to come down. And we just want to lay hands on you, as the Bible says, and pray in faith that, that one, he hears your prayer, but two, that he, um, he is answering and will give you that answer in time. And um, it, whatever that is, Lord, you, you do it, and we will be faithful to pray. So I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to invite you to come and pray as you uh, feel led. Lord, we love you today. We're so thankful for all you've done. We're thankful for a story like Joshua's that he would come and share this with us. And we hear his heart through this message. And we see his family. And we know and love them. And yet, Lord, forgive us for the times when we haven't prayed big enough prayers. But God, use this in our lives to say, no, God, nothing is too big for you. And so, Lord, through the, through the suffering and through the trials and through the fear and through all the things that come with this, you spoke through a mom and a wife, and then you shocked doctors, and, and you, you, you restored a life to carry the bed that held him back to the truck. And he stands here today to tell us, though the year may present similar to last year, you are still good. And you are God, and nothing is too big for you. So, there, Lord, there'll be those who go about their day today. Lord, I pray you'd be with them. And, Lord, for the few that come up today to say, I need prayer, would you just lay your hands on me and pray for me today that my faith would be strong. God, I pray that you would hear their prayer and answer their cry. We love you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.